0: Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to In the Company of Trees. My name is Tobin Mitnick, and I am a Jew who loves trees. Wow, we have a really, really, really fun interview today. Uh, I just got done talking with Gabrielle Cerberville, a.k.a. At Chaotic Forager. Oh, my gosh. Um, or as I know her, Gab. I've been informed by Gabrielle Cerberville that only myself and her family call her Gab. So guess what that makes me? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, we just had the most amazing conversation about foraging and mushrooms and, um, her insane webpage, um, that lives apart from her chaotic forager webpage because she is an interdisciplinary artist. Did you guys know this? Um, she basically does everything with music and sound and fungi and color and everything you can think of. Um, there's an incredible picture of her half scowling, half smoldering at the camera, and she's holding an enormous red accordion. Make of that what you will. Um none of this matters we 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 really just had a lot of fun recently met her so it was an awesome opportunity to talk with her uh we talk about her fondness for chanterelles we talk about the mushroom bros and how they're trying to life hack by taking some reishi drops before hitting the gym and doing the delts and all that kind of stuff um we also just made a lot of jokes um some of the jokes we made were a little bit dirty um don't let that put you off it was still a really fun conversation um yeah then what else do we talk about i don't know we had such a good time because because we love talking about the intersections of my interests, trees, her interests, uh, mushrooms, but also basically everything in the woods and trees and mushrooms. Um, so really just not a second wasted during this convo. So fun. Um, so. Coming up right now, without further ado, is my conversation with Gabrielle Serberville, a.k.a. at Chaotic Forager. So you should follow her if you haven't. You probably have if you're following me, because she has one as I usually say, uh, followers on the TikTok tock and on the Instagrams. Um, anyway, following is my conversation, and here is the tree prayer. In the company of trees, I feel whole. In the company of trees, I feel home. With trees, I am tinglier. With trees, I am minglier. I raise my cup of water and pour it at your roots so you can drink your health all the way out through your shoots. May you grow your fill and help me to grow mine. Thank you, trees. Gabrielle Cerberville, Internet's mushroom auntie, you've helped millions of people understand the world outside and all of those small shmooples that utilize decaying ma- material within, in the ground. And you, you have a lot of to thing, a lot of things to say about those schmooples. Some people call them mushrooms. I call them shmooples. And uh, you have like 2 million followers, 2 billion followers, something like that. 2.5 billion followers on social media. Uh, you're a polymath, correct? Yes. in art and music and nature and all of that. So um, I just have one question for you, which is, uh, Why do mushrooms look like wieners? Why is that?
1: (laughs) Because they are sexual organs, Tobin. (laughs) What?
0: (sighs) I have been telling people that for years, and I just get weird
1: looks. No, fungi are the reproductive organ, like, mushrooms are the reproductive organ of fungi.
0: I thought the only way that I my shorthand for explaining what mushrooms is is just they are the fruiting bodies, and I have nowhere to go after that.
1: Yeah, but like, what's a fruiting body?
0: A fruiting body. I don't know. I know what a fruit is. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, okay. Like, I guess it's only run with that. It's
0: well, a fruit is is meant for dispersal of seeds, so a mushroom is meant for dispersal of spores. Meant for? Is that correct? Sure. Is that... Yeah. Okay. So a fruiting body. Well, so what differentiates a fruiting body from a fruit? Simply like the kingdom that they happen to fall in taxonomically?
1: I would say a fruiting body is just a really fancy way of saying a fruit. But like we don't want to like call that. a mushroom a fruit.
0: No. And you don't want to call a tomato a fruiting body. Yeah. Well, podcast. Neither of them really. really, Neither of
1: them belong in a fruit salad. So,
0: what mushroom could you put? I mean, mushrooms go into salads all the time. But do any mushrooms go well with fruits?
1: Um. You could say that, uh, oh, chanterelles. Chanterelles go great. With, you love, I, Ch- that's your favorite mushroom. I crit. love a chanterelle. Um, and they, they like really toe the line between sweet and savory. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite things that I make with them is I do a uh, peach galette with chanterelles. What? So you basically wow. take like a, take like pie crust and like yes pre-buy it because we're lazy uh and just like that's what my, she, yeah. my
0: mom always like yells at me whenever I'm like yeah then I have to make the pie dough she's like you idiot just buy the pie <laughs> crust, the pie crust. I'm time. terrible yeah.
1: at pastry so I just buy the pie crust and I just yeah. like throw some goat cheese in there some shallots mm. Mm. get some peaches some mm-hmm. chanterelles oh and just like smash oh, yes. it all together Yes. Yeah, it's it's delicious. So yeah, mushrooms ex- absolutely belong with with uh, with fruit.
0: This is this is really exciting to me because I have, a, like most people, do access to chanterelles in a grocery store setting or a market setting, and I've made that exact thing before. And you're telling me that all I need to do is add chanterelles into it in order to make my life a lot better. Is oh, that what you're saying? Hundred percent. Well, that's really good. Yeah, news. absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about two words. The first one is auntie. Uh, what makes a mushroom auntie? Why are you a mushroom auntie?
1: Oh man, you're really coming at me with the hard questions today. Um,
0: well, this is not your this is not your grandma's podcast, okay? This is not your grandma's nature podcast where they just
1: fair enough. I don't know what do my they talk grandma's about? nature podcast is so boring. So, I would say that a mushroom auntie is. Uh, I, I think of aunties as like the kind of sassy. Um, mm-hmm person who's like maybe slightly older than you because most of the people who watch my content are younger than me i'm in my 30s uh most of the people watching my content are like in their early to mid 20s uh who like know something that you don't know and is maybe gonna be a little bit smug about telling you but is also right
0: Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, and i do mm -hmm. feel like
1: that is my energy
0: it's kind of the opposite of an angry uncle a little bit actually you actually know things Well, you're both smug, but you actually know things, and the kid respects you.
1: And I'm also not drunk.
0: And you're also not Well, I mean, well, sometimes. Um, Oh, drunk uncle. Sorry. I missed an entire part of the archetype. Mm -hmm. Drunk, angry uncle. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that that explains a lot to me. The smugness really helps. Really helps. Like I'm, <laughs> like I'm smug, but like, God damn it, you know that I, I know what I'm talking about, and you, and, and you really, also command like, respect from the young. I really am trying
1: <laughs> to like not get you killed. I really yeah. want you to know what the correct. You have your thing best <laughs>
0: interests at heart. Please, yes, yes. I like it. And that's really fun. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. Now I want to talk about the term chaotic and what that means what does it mean to be a chaotic forager
1: i think uh in in my case i am i don't know you've met me i'm a very adhd mess yep. um, yes i'm all over the place we're gonna get place.
0: to the cv in a little while don't worry
1: yeah so Uh, For me, I I feel like I am always finding connections between things. And, you know, when you go into a forest, you're never just looking for mushrooms. You're also looking at trees. You're also, like, checking out the topography. You're you're having to pay attention to so many things. And that is a very chaotic process. Because when you are excited about nature and you're going out into it, everything catches your attention all at once. Uh, And it is a blissful, glorious experience. And, I mean, if you've seen my videos, you know that I am... Very excited when the opportunity arises to be excited, which is most of the time in, in the forest.
0: It is nice. It, it, it's so funny because I think my my most meaningful experiences, like when I'm amongst trees and in the forest, especially when I'm by myself, are a lot calmer. And then I'll, but I'm, and I'm like, whoa, th- but this, like, this, this moment has, like, particular, like, meaning to me. I got to, like, tape, tape what I'm thinking and what I'm looking at and, like, what these things are and stuff. And then the videos won't do well. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit what you're feeling if you can't actually transmit it. <laughs> um, so that's why I think your your videos are so freaking awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to fi- I was doing some research and I was brushing up just because, oh, some background. We met last week. Was that last week?
1: Oh my God. Oh, was my that gosh. last week?
0: That was last it week. Was. I feel like a lot has happened. Uh, like, Bonkers. a week?
1: Yeah. It was like, lo- it was last week. That's crazy.
0: Um, we met at a um, party. Uh, very fashionable National Geographic party, which was kind of my dream. Um, in In New York City, um, there were beautiful projections of, like, amazing Nacho-like pictures all around us in this incredible space in Tribeca. Um, and we shared a cocktail at the table. Um, we yucked it up a little bit. Then we went separately in line uh, to um, – some sort of photography booth and we each got our pictures taken and i don't think we each knew why we were in line or why we were getting our pictures taken no. Is that correct
1: yeah definitely had had no, no idea, idea. Um,
0: i had no idea but
1: if i see a queue uh, of people I- i'm going to assume that there's something good at the end of that line
0: gotta gotta go do gotta go see um and then that was what that was what sparked this um i would say perdurable uh friendship that we have now and um so then I invited you on the pod. And now um, I had to do a little bit of background work. So I had seen your videos. I had seen you talking about mushrooms. I had seen your, your childlike excitement um, littering social media um, for the better, which is wonderful. Um, but then I had to kind of like uh, do some research. So while I was doing some research, I simply typed in your name into Google as opposed to your handle, which is Chaotic Forager. I just typed in Gabrielle Cerberville. And it brought me to your Gabrielle Cerberville webpage as opposed to your chaotic forager webpage. now these are two different animals you found the secret Um, menu it's the secret i yeah the secret menu which is in plain sight of course and i clicked on it um and i want to go through some and i clicked on your cv because i'm like i I gotta see what's going on here um your cv is 12 pages long it is the most insane cv i've ever seen in my life um (laughs) These are some of the categories on your CV. Each of these have um, at minimum five to six entries in them. Um, At maximum, I would say 20 or 25 entries on each of them. And these are the categories. Of course, the regular ones, education awards. Um, Then we get a little spicy, residencies, festivals, a teaching experience, one might expect, no no big deal, speaking engagements. um, But then graphic studies, installations, Sculptural studies, culinary studies, kinetic studies, game studies, fixed media. Keep in mind, each one of these have like five or six entries under them. Media scoring, discography, choral and vocal works. Uh, So like, who are you really? wise mushroom lady who are you really
1: i'm a secret composer um i say all the time that i got famous for the wrong thing because yep. i have two entire music composition degrees and i'm working on a third Amazing. at the moment yes, you told me that. um so yeah i have been for the past several years trying to figure out how to reconcile these two actually insane worlds that i live in
0: right yes I feel I feel similarly. Um, I have I'm an actor. I'm a comedian and an actor, and I also just happen to love trees. And I'm like, how in God's name can I combine these things? My like, God, um, and it's very difficult, obviously, um, because I think it's quite worth it. And I think the young people of the world are very much into breaking down barriers between specific genres. Um, and I kind of want to be one step ahead of them, um, even though they're going to trample me at some point. Uh, I also just have to say that there's. I want you to fill in the blank here. There's a there's a picture of you um on your webpage. There's a picture of you half scowling, half smoldering at the camera, and you are holding an enormous red what? Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I
1: have no idea what picture you're referring to.
0: Oh no, it's there. Starts with a core, ends with DN.
1: Oh shit. I forgot about that.
0: Oh, those that's are, still there.
1: Those are like 11 year old pictures no lot older than that
0: those are personality shots oh, aren't they God. Oh. yeah what a, so what What was going through your head when you were holding that big red accordion smoldering at the camera
1: what was going through my head was i can't believe that i'm getting free headshots
0: <laughs> oh, yeah free headshots i've been there before i like some of my outfit choices and free headshots oh look at this striped shirt i chose to wear that day looking good Oh, wow. And you brought your accordion.
1: I did. I did. I had an accordion at the time. I no longer have an accordion.
0: But you can play the accordion.
1: Badly, but yes. yeah. Don't do that. No, actually, badly. I've never taken an accordion lesson. Um, I figured out how to do the buttons, kind of. Yeah. Um, But I could never quite get the... the the rhythm of it down like i couldn't quite Mm -hmm. figure out how i could
0: that attitude yeah
1: i i was just never uh never really a a skilled accordion player but i had an accordion which tricked people into believing that i knew what to do with it
0: and you you traded it away for three magic beans or something like that right (sighs) yeah i'm curious how many instruments do you play
1: i i really only play piano
0: you really only play piano
1: Yeah. Like, if you hand me a guitar, I can play, like, four chords, um, which is honestly most songs. Um, I also have a melodica, which is, like, a a cute little keyboard instrument that you blow into. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But it's really no different than playing a a piano that's just, like, breath-controlled
0: oh okay if it's if it's that simple then I'll, I'll go out and get a melodica today um let me okay i'm looking at a couple of these um here's the thing you did hyperchromaticism in box oh haupt volt blut in Wunden, presented at the undergraduate research conference at butler university april 2013 hyperchromaticism are do you do you consider yourself a synesthete
1: i am actually yeah
0: you are a synesthete but
1: that's not what that refers to
0: no i know but it just got me thinking
1: yeah, yeah, I am a synesthete.
0: Is that referring to hyperchromaticism in the same way that we refer to, like, coloratura in opera or something like that?
1: Kind of like uh, Hyperchromaticism is just a word that I think I made up. And now, granted, I have not been an Sweet. undergraduate for a long, long time. But No, but that's what uh, you do when you're to, an undergraduate. Yeah. yeah, you make up words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you assume that, like, every idea you've ever had is it's the first time anybody's ever had that idea. Exactly. Um, so if I remember correctly, it was the St. Matthew passion that I was writing about. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you look at the iterations of, o Blut und Wunden, mm-hmm. uh, throughout that, uh, throughout that piece, uh, you can see like that, uh, by the end, every single, uh, pitch on the, uh, Every single pitch all the way from C to C, every chromatic pitch is uh is in that is in that work.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, and because it, Bach was crazy. Did he do that on purpose or did he just happen to be that like <laughs> I don't I know mean, that Who into knows? The... <laughs> like
1: I assume that everything that Bach did was on purpose. Yeah. But He's like, I
0: have these abilities, so why not just, like, show off while making great music at the same time? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of, like, combining much. virtuosoship and and actual, like, quality of music.
1: I don't think cool. I've thought about that in, like, a decade.
0: Yeah, well, I'm gonna... I'm We're not gonna do any more, like, things on the spot. Um, so don't worry about it. Except for the sky is falling for solo piano constructed in acrylic and gold leaf on nine circular sheets of plexiglass commissioned by Brid- Bridwell. Bride, Brid, Bridwell. Yeah. Bridwell? Bridwell yeah, it was bad. Bridwell. Library at Southern Methodist University 2021. Um, what was that piece about? Can you tell me?
1: That piece uh, was part of their Dante Festival. Sweet. Um, so I had these circular pieces of plexiglass mm-hmm. um, that built on each other. So it basically, like, built an image. You would just keep adding plexiglass circles to the piano, and... Um, I had a friend of mine, Corey Reeder, play it. He's great. He's a fantastic pianist. And it was just, it was a romp. It was a graphic score. Uh, nobody knew what was going on. I had very little time to actually complete the commission. Um, and I went out there and all I remember is that they kept feeding me Panera.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Does it, it was thrill honestly you? honestly not bad. Well, no, I mean, free food is always good. Yeah. Um does it thrill you to create things in public that puzzle people? Like, do you love the sensation of, of, of puzzling people?
1: I, I think that sometimes I like puzzling people, but only if there's a point where they start to kind of understand what's going on. I mm-hmm. like to temporarily puzzle people, but I don't like mm-hmm. them to leave completely confused.
0: No. And you have to know what's going on on the other side, or do you not have to know what's going on on the other side either? Like, do you have to I like to, have to the know answers? what's
1: going on. <laughs> I like to know what's going on. I am a control freak.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Ooh, I want to go back quick to the synesthesia. Um, I I often tell um, this is this is obviously not applied to you, but I often tell um, women in particular who are who are looking to date um, if they go on dates um, and a man describes himself as a synesthete, get out of there. Get get out of there immediately because they are lying. They are lying about it. But you strike me as somebody who is probably a synesthete. Can you tell me in the way the ways that that manifests itself? Like, what's the last um, time you found yourself with a little bit of synesthesia on your hands?
1: Well, I mean, I'm in music school, and so Yum. for me, it's very like sound to color uh, and color to sound. So a lot of my scores, I think it's pretty evident in if you if you look at my my mm-hmm. works on my page you'll see like these super colorful scores uh, that have all these shapes and all of these things kind of bleeding into each other. And that is a visual representation of how I am seeing the music in my head. Mm -hmm.
0: What comes to you first? Does the color of the music come to you first?
1: Usually it's hard to say because Mm -hmm. they're, they're like all smushed together. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind that's the point. of yeah. yeah. That's and that's like yeah. That's why the, the question is hard to answer. Yep. Um. They're they're pretty simultaneous.
0: Cool. That's awesome. What colors do you like working? Do what colors of do you like making music about the most?
1: I've got a real thing for blue, yeah, especially um like the kind of blue that you would see in um like architects drafts.
0: Ooh yeah. I love that blue. A little yeah. washed out.
1: A little washed out, um, kind of like robin's egg blue. If it tried a little bit harder,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, love oh, that blue. Wow, yeah. I've been doing I'm, a lot with that blue.
0: I'm a real sucker for Eve Klein blue. I always have been. It's just like, I've I've you know I'm one of these boring 42 percent of the world population that loves blue. Um, my entire life, like I wish everything was blue. And I thought my favorite color was just kind of like default royal blue because it came the closest to what I wanted. And then I remember the first time that somebody showed me Eve Klein blue and somebody connected the idea that somebody made this color intentionally because they thought it was the best incarnation of blue. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. That like that ticks something off in my brain. That's quite special. Um, And so I'm, you know, I I'd imagine I'm quite sensitive to blue in nature much more than any other color um do you find yourself much more connected to blue in nature or are there other things that like just really like kind of command your attention
1: i'm i'm attracted to contrast in nature more Uh. than i am to any one particular color and i think that a lot of people have this vision of the mushroom hunter as this person who is just like constantly bent over only looking for mushrooms but that's not really how most of us look for mushrooms like mm-hmm. we're looking for things that stand out um in browns and greens uh and sometimes like like right now it's hen of the wood season yep i uh, i actually have a bunch here but i uh, hen Please of the show woods me. yep oh you just so. happen
0: to have a basket of mushrooms there oh hello also, okay that's listener tie. yeah Gab is holding up a delicious Hen of the Woods to me right now. It looks like yeah. that's got the um, uh, a rosette. Is that a rosette shape, I It believe? is a rosette,
1: yes. Yes.
0: There's a couple uh, wonderful pieces of foliage that I love that come in the rosette shape. An often under-discussed um, arrangement of conifer needle, I think. Uh, cedars have that. Rosettes, little bursts of foliage. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, do. I love those. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. Blue cedar. Um, there we go. I mean. Cedar. I mean, What a good tree. Cedar.
1: Cedars oh. are such good trees.
0: Yeah. Are we talking about the same cedars? Are we talking about, like, Deodar cedars, like, Atlas cedars, those kind of things?
1: You're the tree guy. Um, I don't know if we have Atlas cedars out here.
0: Let's see. You're in I'm probably going to sound, like, really
1: stupid on your podcast here. Yes. Because... I
0: think that's the impression that everybody's getting, that you are woefully uneducated <laughs> and and super not esoteric. Um, no. Let's see. What do you have there? You have eastern red cedars of course we have
1: eastern red cedars they're beautiful um, beautiful trees
0: which are junipers junipers virginiana um mm-hmm. let's see what i mean i guess that's probably what people are referring to as cedar out there um then there's like the proper cedrus uh genus right. which are none of those are, are native to the north american continent. those are all like just actually they're like two from africa there's one from asia there's mm-hmm. one up in like turkey it's it's absolutely amazing but um then I think a lot of people out here, when they refer to just default cedar, are referring to western red cedar. Um, yes. Yeah, which is also a bitchin' tree. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. So what's a, if I walk past if I walk past an eastern red cedar, what's what am I gonna find growing near there? Do those two things correspond?
1: Oh, I'm actually not aware of specific, uh, like mycorrhizal associations with cedar. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised this time of year if you uh, might run across like some sawillus mushrooms, uh, mm-hmm. which are like the slippery jacks, the slippery jills, mm-hmm. um, like. yeah, and uh, because they they tend to prefer conifers in general, and they all have very very specific tree associations. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like hyper specific, so
0: almost cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I love um, when there's just yeah. like
0: a one to one relationship between things and trees, like yes. wasps, wasps and oaks and just you know, that kind of stuff. Love it. Yeah.
1: Like, this time of year I really think that oak trees are kind of the goat. Like, really, so much food from oak trees. So yeah. the hen of the woods grows almost exclusively on oak trees. It doesn't Any really oaks care. Or just oaks it in doesn't general. care what kind of oak. It's just it just vibes on oaks. I love that. So I know I do too. Uh, and it's great because like acorns are edible as well, and I mm-hmm. collect a ton of them every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a pretty good year for acorns here. Mm-hmm. Kind of depending on a wet what year, sort right?
0: Oak. Is a wet year good for acorns?
1: Well, acorns mast and yeah, that's usually more scheduled.
0: Yeah, like every two or every three.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, some of them around here are kind of every four. Oh wow! Uh, especially okay, the bur oaks, and I love mm-hmm. a bur oak. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their acorns, their nut meat is so, uh, it's so not tannic that you can mm-hmm. just almost eat almost eat them raw. Oh, which that's is crazy! Fun. Yeah, that's neat.
0: Oh my god! I've never eaten an acorn raw. I've eaten lots of kind of like pine nuts raw and stuff like that. I don't think.
1: I mean, I've I wouldn't. Ever... I wouldn't recommend it for most no. acorns.
0: I'd go out. I'd have to. I have to grab a forager friend and, and we go out together and then do that because I wouldn't trust myself on like sticking yeah. something into my mouth. You
1: have a lot of live oaks out there, don't you?
0: We have almost exclusive. Well, no, sorry. Whoa! I was almost about to utter a lie. Uh, bad, bad, bad. Um, we have how many native oaks in California? Like fourteen, and like. That might be wrong. It might be like 16 or 17 or something. But seven or eight of them grow into trees. But by far the most common in Los Angeles is, um, is Coast Live Oak. And then, but I was just up checking out some Ponderosa and higher elevations the other day in Angeles National Forest. And the ones with the most remarkable acorns by far that have almost, I would say, a cap that's probably two and a half inches big. And then mm-hmm. just an acorn, I mean, the size of the acorn itself is, is still pretty large, but just looks really hilarious below the size of, like, an overgrown cap, are the canyon oaks. So the canyon oaks Whoa. tend to grow above, like, 3,000 feet, 3,500 feet, at least at this latitude. Um, and though the, the meat in those is crazy. And it's squirrel hell or heaven, depending on your... Um, Squirrel how you ability. feel about squirrels exactly yeah. up there right now um so i would very much like to like to see what happens when somebody prepares something from some delicious canyon oak acorns
1: i've never even heard of canyon oak that's corcus what
0: um chrysalises something like that i'll have to look it up oh god this is terrible uh coast live oak is agrifolio. um okay. what is it what is canyon live sense. oak? Chris Canyon Live Oak is, yeah, it's a chrysolepsis. I get it wrong every time. Okay. Um. Yeah. There's there's a f- there's but then there are these really, they're all. Um. I think that's a golden cup oak, which is like one of the ones that kind of rests between the red oak and the white oak distinction.
1: Right, because there are some of those. Yeah. Ours are, ours tend to be pretty distinct out here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, and, but then we, we have, like, one or two really beautiful white oak-coated um, oaks as well. Like, there's a tree called the valley oak, which is just unbelievably beautiful. It has very, very gentle lobes and really reminds me of, like, English oak or something like that. Um, so there's, there's an oak for every, for every oak head. An oak for here. every stroke. <laughs> an oak for every stroke, uh, if you're nasty, which a lot of people here are a lot of nasty fellas and and ladies out here
1: do you find Uh, yourself um like kind of accidentally anthropomorphizing oaks based on the quality of their leaves
0: not accidentally intentionally yes absolutely (laughs) all the time (laughs) oh no i anthropomorphize that again oh bad bad uh yes i uh Of course, yes. If I'm picking up a white oak leaf, I'm just like, this is so soft and sensitive. Now, it might be a masculine, you know, if we're talking in kind of like traditionalist terms, I might pick up a leaf and be like, well, this does have very soft white lobe, white oak lobes, you know, kind of like if nobody knows what we're talking about, an oak leaf looks like an oak leaf. I hope you're familiar with that. Um, But then white oaks most commonly have very soft lobes, which are the each of the different rounded sections going up the side of the leaf and red oaks commonly have or wait black oaks red red oaks what the hell am I talking about red oaks typically have sharper lobes going up the side of the leaves but yeah if I'm picking up a white oak leaf and it has soft lobes um, I might be inclined to say it's a little bit more sensitive for sure for sure more sensitive tree Um,
1: makes sense to me
0: but the golden cup oaks or and I don't think the the coast live oak actually qualifies but it, it has similar small um, leaves with like little pointy serrations on the side. I always find to be for some reason like masculine in a traditional sense. Like it has a lot of really tough leaves that are like kind of soldiery, that are really small, um, that stick around for a while. Um, I don't know. Am I being too reductionist here? In my no, hang on.
1: I'm I'm looking at a. I'm trying to find a picture of it. The gold cup oak you said.
0: Oh Golden Cup. Well that would be Golden their Cup. that would be like their group. It would be like okay. their kind of like unofficial grouping.
1: Okay. Like no, clade. I can see it. It has a very Hemingway energy.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's a really good way yeah. to put it. Like not terribly flashy. Um, but but almost ostentatiously simple. Yeah. You know what I'm you talking about. You know that
1: that oak has a candle, and that candle is mahogany scented.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> t- wait, is that a reference? I just have no idea about.
1: No, just like it's. You know <laughs> what? If you've ever gone to like a gift shop and you go to like the men's gift section, which is tiny compared to (laughs) anything else there's like what there are two different my leather smells and my dark seats and my dark mahogany yeah exactly my
0: don draper office over here yeah 100 percent yeah (laughs) um i think actually the the golden cups distinction is is kind of falling out of favor with um some like kind of chemical studies of what differentiates oaks these days so it might be a little bit archaic so uh listener note there sorry for misdirecting you um yeah i'm, I'm more uh, i want to know like why why do fungi choose oaks like what what makes oaks good why if i was a if i was a fungus who wanted to make a little fruiting body mushroom would i choose an oak
1: Ooh, that's a good question um they tend to stick around for a long time right? so okay oaks Durability. are long lived mm-hmm. um Their root systems also tend to be pretty extensive. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got big canopies, which means big root systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, And mycorrhizal fungi, yeah, Mm -hmm. mycorrhizal fungi typically uh, are going to latch onto root systems Mm -hmm. um, and create networks between trees. Mm -hmm. Um, Oaks also tend to have a lot of offspring. so
0: That's a good point yeah that's a good point so in a mast year which is when an an oak tree i mean in was which is when an oak tree is dropping a shit ton of acorns um are you more likely to find well that i guess that connection wouldn't be there but how does that affect the amount of 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 mushrooms that are growing around them does it
1: you know i have never noticed a difference mm-hmm. uh, because fungi are going to be far more affected by factors like uh temperature humidity mm-hmm. rainfall uh, that sort of thing, uh, you know. How early is the frost, et cetera?
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I read. You know. Have you Have you seen the statistic that's like, and I know there's like a little bit of debate around it, but at one point, a quarter of the hardwood trees on the East Coast were American chestnuts at one point. And yes. Of course. Now I have it's like seen that. Zero, and then. I think one of the kind of like replacement—I don't know if you would call it a frontier species—but like one of the replacement species that came in for them were oak trees. So I wonder if like back in the day, m- mushrooms were just loving chestnuts as much as they were loving oaks.
1: I have actually wondered the same thing, really? and unfortunately, like we don't really know
0: <laughs> what could we. Buy? You know, this is speculation territory. Yeah, because the thing
1: without the thing with fungi is. um a, there have been hardly any large-scale surveys of fungi. There's, mm. there's one that I can think of. Uh, that would be Fundus. Every year they have this big myco blitz where people go out and they take a bunch of pictures and put them up on iNaturalist and collect samples and send them in to be DNA tested. Uh, and it's great, but we are so far behind as far as fungi are concerned because it is such a new discipline you know fungi were not even considered separate from plants before 1969 really yeah
0: but i feel like it's like oh you get your your life exists in a completely with a completely mm-hmm. from a completely different source the sun and the ground like yeah those yeah
1: are very they big were differences yeah they were considered like just weird plants these are just oh. plants that don't really fit into uh a botanical category that makes a lot of sense, but Hmm. you know, they were, they were (laughs) part of botany at that point.
0: I love that. They were just like, well, this doesn't make sense in the way that we've categorized that, but it's not worth any further research. Let's not worry (laughs) about it. Uh.
1: Actually. uh, So I love the, the little, the golden field guides, the golden field guides. They're ridiculous. uh, And they're so cute, but there's one uh, that's, uh, Gosh, which one is it? Um it's just one about unusual plants, and there's a big picture of an Amanita muscaria on the front. Which one is that? That's the like the Mario mushroom. The red oh, one yes, with the course. white dots. Yeah. The
0: famous one. The one the that one. looks extremely poisonous, but is like not at all, right?
1: It is actually it is toxic. It contains okay, two don't toxins. listen to me. Listen um, to me. But Mm-mm. but there's there's nuance here, so I'm gonna explain okay, that. So me. um Amanita muscaria contains two toxins, ibotenic acid and muscimol, uh, which can make you very sick. It's actually very toxic to dogs. If you eat it, you're not going to die or anything. It's never killed anybody. But uh, it is a deliriant and is probably not something that you want to ingest. Um, but both of those toxins are water soluble, so you can collect those mushrooms, boil them in two changes of water, and then cook them. I've done this. They're very good. They're very nutty. It's a nice mushroom. It's a lot of work, but it's worth trying once.
0: Yeah. What's the common name for it?
1: Um, the common name would be the the fly agaric.
0: The fly agaric. Yeah. Good lord, a, yeah. a, a mushroom that I can picture personally in my head. I just have zero idea what. Wow. Well, yeah. I failed. I failed you today. I'm really sorry about this gab. You're all good. Okay. I have a question. How many of the woods are there?
1: How many of the woods?
0: Yeah. Like Hannah of the woods. Chicken of the woods.
1: Oh, oh gosh, there are so many. Um, yeah, there's crab of the woods, which are any of the Hericium species, right. like lion's mane, uh, uh-huh. bear's head tooth, whatever. Uh, chicken of the woods, which is separate from hen of the woods, although they yeah. are related in that they're both polypores.
0: Okay.
1: Um, there's steak of the woods. Polypores, wait,
0: pause, pause. Polypores mm-hmm. as opposed to what?
1: Um, As opposed to other classifications of mushrooms. It's, it's easier to say what a polypore is than to say what it isn't. But, what is it? Um, a polypore is typically a fungus that is growing usually on wood, on dead wood, Mm -hmm. uh, that has a pore surface underneath Mm -hmm. the cap instead of gills or Mm -hmm. teeth. Got it. So the hen of the woods that I showed you is a polypore Mm -hmm. because if you look underneath, nobody can see this, but uh, it will have a pore surface. It won't have, like, a fan. No gills. Got it. Okay, got it. Cool. Nice. Yep. Um, There's shrimp of the woods, which is actually – it's Enteloma abortivum. Uh, it happens when an Entoloma uh, parasitizes a honey mushroom, <laughs> which is really cool. Uh, it creates this like shrimp Sec- tasting mushroom. Second order
0: mushroom. I love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's another one of those that's commonly eaten called Hypomyces lactiflorum or the lobster mushroom. I guess you could yeah, call that yeah. lobster of the woods. Sure. I've heard um, of those. Yeah, which is when Hypomyces. Uh, Parasitizes uh, something from the genus Russ, uh, no, something from the family Russulaceae. So either a Russula or a Lactarius.
0: What is a mushroom? What is a what is what in? Why does a mushroom want to parasitize another mushroom? Like what's in it for? Is it, it's just like it just likes doing it? <laughs> like,
1: well, I mean, it's all just like territory, right? So I guess so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you see the episode of one of the 800 billion thousand David uh, David Attenborough narrated documentaries where it was talking about the um, the ants crawling back to the gigantic underground um, fungus that was like expanding and then telling the ants what to do basically by like sending out chemical signals to the ants and then the ants would go back. Um, and then to the plant and like try to kill the plant again but then the plant would change its chemical composition and intentionally bring back poisonous pieces of itself to via the ants to the giant underground fungus and then the underground fungus would be like foiled again by the plant and then it would have to change and tell the ants to go to a different plant have you seen this
1: no i haven't but that sounds crazy
0: yeah it's awesome i'll have to are these
1: leafcutter ants
0: they I mean, they certainly look like it yeah i don't know if, if that's what their species is but they're um they're eating pieces of leaves yeah i don't know it, it was just like it like under like it gave me incredibly strong underground brain vibes um which was pretty nightmarish slash like the coolest thing i'd ever seen in my entire life okay let's see what 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 do we miss here where are we at 26 okay so we've been recording for like 40 minutes oh here's something that I want to talk about um I want to talk about uh I want to talk about like mushrooms in the bro community what are your thoughts (laughs) (laughs) like I would
1: like it to be known that Tobin is trying to get me canceled
0: (laughs) no I'm not trying oh (laughs) oh man I understand oh Uh, no
1: I'll talk about it. Oh, great! Let's go. That's,
0: who are you gonna get canceled by? <laughs> who are our demo? Who our demographics are like young, sensitive people who like have have like feelings about the outdoors and like things like they're not. God,
1: like, wouldn't that be nice?
0: I mean, aren't they? I don't know. I kind of think that they are. Um, I,
1: when your when your videos end up on the wrong side of yeah, sure. of things, then yeah. yeah, I end up with the Stamets bros. But but
0: isn't that fun though? Like, what's that like? <laughs> like
1: <laughs> so if I, I tend would just to, say yeah. mushroom
0: bro. What are the immediate things that come to mind if I say mushroom bro?
1: Um, the first things would be like nootropics. So mushroom bros, they love they love them a cordyceps.
0: Yeah, baby, they love a cordyceps. They, what does that cordyceps love, do? Gab? it increases. <laughs> what does it increase?
1: It's like the AGH or something. I don't te- I don't remember
0: testosterone. If you oh. take this cordyceps you will be fire in bed if you take this cordyceps you will live 150 years minimum it's like that, that sounds kind of terrible that sounds really bad right yeah i don't want to live
1: for 150 years keep absolutely those cordyceps not away from me no yeah, thank you keep them mm-hmm. away from me Yeah. um yeah you're you're, you're thinking lion's mane reishi. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking of like repackaged eastern medicine mm-hmm. missing like all of the science mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um And served up to you in a nice little powder that you can add to your Mm pre-workout.
0: It sounds like it's like whenever I see one of these videos like pop up and a dude's like, the first time I tried reishi. Um, oh, my God. I was in an elevator and, like, for some reason I had a packet of reishi that somebody gave me. And so I, like, opened the packet of reishi and, like, that, then I, like, took a piece of the reishi and I ate it. And, oh, my God, almost instantaneously I felt a clarity, like, in my brain box. Like, I felt like I could, like, oh, my God. Like, you know, and I'm, and I'm just, like, all of this stuff is just anecdotal bullshit. like Oh, yeah. And then, the, then they'll do a thing. Like they'll just flash a quick study on on like like a just a quick screen cap of a study, and then the study will go away forever.
1: <laughs> I it really frustrates it often frustrates me when people will refer to studies when they're talking about these nootropic fungi or mm-hmm. medicinal mushrooms, uh, because often the studies the studies that they're showing you um, are like maybe preclinical trials at best. Or yeah. they're only animal studies, or they only had a few participants. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this happens a lot with the uh, the conversation about turkey tail, uh, which we do know it's actually one of the best studied mushrooms uh, in uh, in the West. At least mm-hmm. we know that it has uh, a lot of really beneficial polysaccharides. Uh, it can help you to. Uh, Boost your immune system in conjunction with certain types of cancer drugs. Oh wow! Uh, it's only ever really been studied in breast cancer, though, uh, and the study was like eight people, and I think two or three of them ended up dropping out. That's not a study to me. That's like a pre a preclinical trial, and I would not use that to make any sort of determinations about like what somebody should be taking outside of uh, like. A doctor's office yeah Um, what's the
0: term they like to use the term functional mushrooms i believe
1: functional mushrooms yes
0: functional mushrooms these mushrooms are not only delicious and beautiful and rare and an encapsulation of nature's beauty but they're also they're a resource dude um
1: yeah oxygen
0: utilization oh my gosh
1: the broification of fungi is really unfortunate because like i do genuinely believe that many of these mushrooms do have medicinal capabilities you know a lot of our medications are fungal in nature like you don't get penicillin without Mm -hmm. fungi it's kind of important but but because there's just so much nonsense baked into how people talk about it uh it kind of invalidates a lot of what what real scientists are actually saying. Yeah, you know, this, this happens to in psilocybin the realm of too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um so then you start associating mushroom science with wackadoos mm-hmm. because those are the ones who are most prominent. And you know, everybody and their mom is coming out with a mushroom gummy now uh and making all kinds of claims about what it can do for you, but none of them are actually substantiated.
0: This is really disappointing. I was really hoping that you'd tell me that the Mushroom Bros are awesome and I should go out and buy their reishi and all their uh, what are they the um what do they refer to the liquid as? Like I'll, I just I just can't get enough of Mushroom Bros. Going, I'll take two drops of reishi right now. Then I'll go do my workout. <laughs> yeah, it's like my favorite thing in the entire world.
1: Look, the placebo effect. Is yeah. still in effect, for sure. But, yeah. but like, let's be honest about this. You you made the video because you got a kickback for making yeah. the video. Oh yeah, you got um, a kickback.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I know. Uh, the influencer becomes the influenced. Um, okay, talk to me about. Um, talk to me a little bit about about grief and mycology. Talk to me a little bit about the ideas of of the fact that mushrooms derive their growth potential from from d- detritus and broken down material and what this means i want to get into like i want to get into like philosophical symbology territory oh, with it. mushrooms right now Can we it. talk a little bit about like how you see i don't know when i say philosophy of mushrooms or i say something like um like life and death and mushrooms is there anything mm-hmm. you want to talk about is there anything oh you want to get off your chest so to bring much. up right now
1: so much when i think about fungi as part of um greater ecosystems you mm-hmm. know um first of all ecosystems don't exist without fungi because you have to do something with stuff that dies yep and you have to uh make soil usable you have to make soil and you don't make mm-hmm. soil unless you have fungi mm-hmm. sorry i'm like hitting my microphone here i'm excited That's okay. you're about excited this. So, yes exactly so When I think about fungi as they function within an ecosystem, I think about a hinge between life and death. They are the thing that makes life after death possible.
0: So you're telling me right? Maybe, maybe I should just not interpret it and just, uh, I don't know if we're going to get any better than they're what makes life after death possible. Um, if there's a heaven, what does it look like for you? Is it filled with 25 foot mushrooms the way it, the earth was 400 million years ago?
1: I don't think there's a heaven. Um, I My my version of, of heaven would be um, something like a world that is cared for deeply by its inhabitants
0: wouldn't that be nice
1: wouldn't that be nice
0: but you did read the article about the 25 foot mushrooms that dominated the earth 400 million years ago right
1: i've seen that yeah
0: what are your feelings about it my feelings
1: are um i think it's really interesting that we have all these uh, wonderful theories about mushrooms, you know, Stone dabe theory, twenty-five foot yeah. mushroom theory, <laughs> um, and I think it would be cool if maybe we like cited sources on this stuff.
0: <laughs> going back to our going back to our mushroom bros stuff, let's get the studies. <laughs> let's get the studies.
1: Let's, yeah, uh, we can have beautiful ideas all day long and I love it like that sounds like a glorious art piece but I would like to see why we think that that happened (laughs)
0: Um, just because
1: like other things were giant at the time
0: yes I think we think that happened because we really want an artist's rendering of it is why we think that happened um I would love a
1: fungal Lothlorian just as much as the next person um I think that sounds great it's a beautiful idea
0: Fungal lawthorian, oh my god! um Have you done a lot of uh, is is there much is there much mushroom talk in Tolkien?
1: Tolkien yeah. refers to mushrooms, uh I think only in the culinary sense.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, M- he missed out on that. Well, I have so much. I have so much to feast on in that because he talks about trees like nonstop. Yeah,
1: I mean, when he talks about food, he talks about food. That's a good point, which I do yeah. love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah. Okay, well, um, uh, one more thing. Tell me about the Fungal Chapel.
1: The Fungal Chapel is my master's thesis, uh, which I completed at Western Michigan University. Go Broncos. Um, I am legally obligated to say that.
0: That was my high school mascot, so I will say go Broncos as well.
1: I think there are only like eight or nine mascots and they just sort of schools pick them out of a hat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like you just hope you don't get a racist one
0: yeah <laughs> yeah you hope you don't get a racist i hope one. you don't get a racist one yeah, you um don't get a racist so
1: one. anyway uh mm-hmm. it is a, it is a a piece that uses uh fungal bio data to create music um so basically i have this little this little machine called mm-hmm. a plant wave it's yep, real cute mm-hmm. you've probably For seen sure. them online yep. um and i hook that thing up to a fruiting block of mushrooms usually oyster mushrooms just cuz they're like they're pretty mm-hmm. and uh, i collect midi data or that rather growing. i that are not uh, yeah, that are not that a sterile mushroom they, they have growing, to be yes. alive yeah yes. they have to be alive but um i i i hook i hook up this machine to mushrooms uh, i collect the galvanic response which are just the electrical signals mm-hmm. from the growing mushroom because everything is just, was alive, two, little, just two little clips
0: two little it's just two clips. clips
1: yep, yep. Mm-hmm. two little duckbill bill clips yep. um and convert that into midi run that through a computer um and then do a whole bunch of stuff with it on the other end to make it sound good um because otherwise it really does kind of just sound like mushroom noise but it is cool uh as a mushroom is Growing, mm-hmm. you get way more data, and then as it is starting to die, you get less and less, which is oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and it will respond to stimuli, so you know if I spritz it with water, then sometimes the music starts to go a little faster. That's cool. Um, so it's fun. It's kind of like getting to talk to your mushrooms. Uh, and then I have built these sounding sculptures uh, mostly with kids in mind because kids love to hit things and kids are not afraid to touch stuff so um these big metal and wood sculptures that could be interacted with that are also sonified so you know you would maybe go collect uh something from the forest and mm-hmm. plop it in the offertory and when you do that you get this whole weird cacophony of sounds um so it's This interactive installation that I've set up in a few different places around the U.S. Now I'm actually going to go set it up in Ohio this weekend.
0: Nice, that's awesome. You're the David Byrne of mushrooms. This is that is
1: very high praise.
0: Yeah, you're the mycologist David Byrne. No, I'd love it, and I and the degree you're getting right now remind me what it's in.
1: it's Pack- music composition and computer technologies.
0: Simply wild, absolutely incredible, and you're just like just you're just gonna keep combining these disciplines until it kills you, and it's gonna be great.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least uh, we can hope that I live the next five years, which 150 is how long 50 really years takes
0: if you, if you take <sighs> those uh, reishi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh,
1: that sounds terrible. I know, horrible. God, God. I'm already oh. too anxious for this lifetime. I can't I imagine stretching that over 150 years.
0: Well then, don't take Reishi. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gab. It was so much fun to talk to you. I'm glad we could just BS about stuff and have fun, nerd out. <laughs> be yeah. Weird. Thank
1: you for having me. This was truly a delight. Oh,
0: good. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah. And um, stay on for a second, but we'll do. A, we'll do our proper goodbye right now. Um, and uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming by into my computer zone. Amazing. This is great. Cool. Love it, Cab.